are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I want to talk to you on how to finish our course with joy. Now listen, were you a preacher or were you just a layman, whatever, God has a course for you and I. God has a course for us. And uh, the Apostle Paul had that in mind. You got your Bible open, Acts chapter 20. Now look in verse 17 with me, will you? Acts 20 and verse 17. He said, and from Miletus he sent to Ephesus, and he called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. Now, if I had time, I'd like to stop. But my wife, I just called her. She is worried. I'm four hours late. I've been everywhere on the plane. But anyway, she said, now, Daddy, now, now when you get tired, you talk too long. And don't preach too long tonight. So I'm, I see that clock up there. But if I had time, I want you to notice this, so if you will. What manner I've been with you at all seasons. Now, let me tell you, folks. And you know this, we like to be in those good seasons, but those bad ones come too. And I think that's what Paul's talking about, in all seasons, and you know about his life. Now notice what he said in verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. And I like this next verse, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's leaving this area now, and he's going to Jerusalem. We know about that. But now notice what he said in verse 22. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnessed in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Now what this man is saying, I'm not going up there looking for a holiday inn. I'm not thinking about that. I... I know there's bonds and afflictions waiting me, but I love these words. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself. Why, Paul? Listen, now notice this. So that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Now, this man had one thing in mind, and that was to please the Lord. And he said through all the troubles, as he gathers these people in, uh, at those uh, Ephesian uh, people, those elders at Miletus there, and he said, now I want to talk to you. He said, I've been with you now for three years. The Lord is leading. I'm going to Jerusalem. You know, he had a burden for Jerusalem. And he said, I'm going. I don't know what's waiting me 
Except the Holy Spirit has already told me there's bonds and afflictions trouble me. Let me say tonight, preacher friends, and I don't say this because I've been some worse along. No, no, no. But preacher friends, don't look for some easy road all the time. Don't do that. Used to, preachers would ask me once in a while, Brother Bobby, do you know of a church really somewhere that God wants to, that, that people want to do something? And I'm not trying to be smart, but I thought about that and I started answering, I don't know of a church anywhere wants to do anything. I don't. It's my place as a pastor to ask God to help me to, to, to get them stirred up to want to do something. Friend, we try to look too much for the easy way out all the time. That's right. And, and I'm just saying, Paul said, that, that don't, that's not what I'm looking for. I want to finish my course with joy. And, and it's a good message there on what kind of ministry he had there too. Humility of mind, many tears, temptations, and all them things. But none of these things move me. Now, notice he said, I want to finish. I got one thing. My course with joy. Now, you're familiar with this, but if you got over there, 2 Timothy chapter 4, he's getting ready to go to heaven now. And we know the story, if you know anything about the Bible, you preachers know this scripture right here. How he taught, charged uh, Timothy to preach a word in season, out of season, so on. And come on down in there and look what he said in verse number five, 7. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Now what I want us to see is, back over there in Acts 20, he talked about that course with joy. And now he says, it's come to the end, and I've finished my course, and I've kept the faith. You know, right after I got saved, nobody told me you're saved forever. You know, I didn't know about eternal, everlasting life. And I read that one day, and I said, I guess he just stayed saved. <laughs> That's what I said, kept the faith. I reckon he hung on, you know. That isn't what he's talking about. That's all his battles and his heartaches. That's what I'm talking about. Last week, I, I, was, uh, I was in the Baptist Hospital there in Winston-Salem. And it's a church, I guess, seven, eight, ten miles from us. The assistant pastor was in a bad wreck here uh, about a month or so ago. And, uh, and I understand his wife's still in intensive. And anyway... I hadn't been to see him. I was to see some of my members. But I was walking down the hall there at the Baptist Hospital, and he had folks and he said, Brother Bobby, this. And I said, Yes, brother. And I turned around, and they had him in a wheelchair. And I said, Brother, I'm so sorry for what happened. He said, Brother Bobby, thank you, but I'm where I'm supposed to be. I never had a man say that before. You know what he's saying? I love the Lord. And whatever things happen is for God's glory and my good. And when me and you can accept that. The other day I passed a church somewhere that said we're looking for believers that believe the Bible. I thought, boy, there's a lot of truth to that, isn't it? Do you ever find yourself? Brother Clarence was telling me, and he maybe has told you, he took Dr. Robertson a ride. He's way up in his 90s, just a year or so before he died. And, and he was very feeble, maybe not that long. And he said we was riding along. And he asked Dr. Lee Robertson, he said, is there anything you'd change about your ministry if he could do it over? And said, just like that, he said, oh, yes, I'd have more faith in God. Yeah. And you ever since Clarence told me that, 
I pray that every day. Amen. I pray, but I have a burden about it. And every time I get bogged down, now you fellows don't do that, but every time I get bogged down, I'm in a trouble or just getting through one or starting one about all the time. And every time I do, and I get to thinking and worrying, God says if you'd have faith, you wouldn't be worried. Take me to word. That's what he's saying. And you know, faith and worry don't go together. You ever think about that? When I'm worrying, I'm not believing, am I? And we need more of that. I thought about that since Dr. Robertson made that statement. But here he says, I've kept the faith through all the prisons and everything else he went through. He kept the faith. And that's what we need ourselves. But he said, I've finished my course. Now, coming back to this thing, I just got five things I want to share with you tonight that I believe we must, and Paul continued, if we're going to finish that course. Now, we know there's a lot of them in the Bible that hasn't finished, didn't finish a course. Uh, we think of a man like Solomon that God gave so much wisdom to, and yet he never did finish his course. We think of Saul there, the first king of Israel, and on and on. And, uh, and, and you know people, and it could be me, but the mercy and grace of God that has let things come in. I remember 50-some years ago, I heard Dr. Uh, Bill Rice Sr. Any of you folks ever hear of Bill Rice Sr.? A few of you did. Dr. Bill was preaching to us preachers. He said, I want you to watch three things in your ministry. Three things, he said, the devil will use one of those to ruin your ministry. He said, number one, or I say number one, I don't know which all of them is important, but he said, watch, keep your doctrine straight. He said, don't go off on some wild goose chase or somebody come up with something new. God's got all we need right there in that book. And all he wants to know. But Dr. Bill Rice Sr. said, he said, do these three things. Keep your doctrine straight. Keep your finance straight. He said, live within your means. If you can't afford it, don't get it. Because that will mess you up and stay your distance from the opposite sex. And you know, folks, ever, t ever since that, and that's been, that's been brought through 50 years ago. And ever since that, as I noticed, when a man uh, shipwrecks, they're usually under three, one of those things. Right. The opposite sex, money, or the doctrine. And so what I'm trying to say, it wasn't in my message, but, but I'm just saying that, uh, that we need to be careful. And, 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 and when a man falls, it could be me, but the mercy and grace of God. That's all. That's all. That's what I'm talking about. But by the grace of God, you and I ought to want to finish that course. Now let me mention, I'll go down here first of all. We're going to have to continue witnessing for Christ if we're going to finish our course. You remember what he said in Acts 1-8? When the power of the Holy Spirit comes, you shall be what? Witnesses unto me. The Apostle Paul kept that up. And, and, and I pastored people. Uh, I, 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 I pastored people 40 years, 45 years ago. Used to always go soul winning. And they drop in church once in a while now. You see what I'm trying to say? Folks, it's very easy to get away from the, from the, from the things that we need to do so bad. Paul continued in his witnessing. Now, for instance, you just think with me. You know the conversion there in Acts chapter 20 on the road to Damascus. And he got saved. In Acts 9.20, he says, And in Damascus, uh, there he thoroughly preached Christ, straightway preached Christ. I mean, he didn't wait. 
He didn't wait till he got the education. He just started off witnessing, right? And then you read again in Acts uh, 9 and verse 29. You remember how they let him down uh, in a little basket in uh, Damascus? And he went up, you know, there's all afraid of him up in, in uh, Jerusalem. And he got up there, and Barnabas, of course, uh, what a great Christian. And you read in Acts 9, 29, and, and he spake boldly in, in Jerusalem. And then you come on down. Do you remember in Acts uh, 10, it was about Peter there, and 11. But you come on down to Acts 13, and you remember how that uh, Paul and Barnabas were sent out by the church at Antioch to witness. Do you remember that? And uh, you know there, David, he was trying to win to the Lord, the feller tried to stop him, running into all kinds of oppositions, uh, so on. Uh, and, and, and then you read in Acts chapter 14, and here he is out there at Lystra, and they got mad at him and stoned him, and God raised him from the dead. He could have been very easy to say, well, I don't know where I'm doing what I ought to or not. I believe God will protect me. He didn't do that. He just got up and brushed himself off and kept on witnessing. That's what I'm talking about. I think about old Uncle Bud Robinson, no kin to me. R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N. Some of you may have read about him. He's an old Nazarene preacher, tongue-tied Nazarene preacher. I like to read about him. Uncle Bud said uh, he was crossing the street one day, and he said there was a woman hit him. I think he broke his leg. And he said, and there I was laying over the ditch. That woman got out of her car and said she'd come over and squall and said, I'll kill this old man. I'll kill him. Uncle Bud said, I looked up and said, no, you ain't, because God ain't fooled me yet. And if you'd ever read that book, you read. Uncle Bud said they put me in a Catholic hospital. And in those days, you know, one six, eight people was in one room. Uncle Bud said the father come around, and he said, "This have you got any confess? And he didn't confess. He's not the first man seen in my life." And said the father come over to me, and he looked down, and he said, "You have any confess?" Uncle Bud said, "Yeah, do." He said, "Go ahead." Uncle Bud said, I'm sad. He said, he backed up. He said, you stood there a moment. And an uh, old Nazarene preacher. And uh, he said, uh, anything else? Yeah, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, I ain't seen the Father since. said, he left that place, you know. But he had old time religion, didn't he? But what I'm trying to say, he didn't let trouble stop him. That's what I'm trying to say. He didn't let trouble stop him. And you read that. And in Acts 15, they got in a fuss about where the Gentiles ought to be saved or not. Do you remember they had a conference meeting? Boy, I hate them things. But they had a conference meeting there in Jerusalem. And the old Paul and Silas and Barnabas and Mark and all of them got there. What I'm trying to say, this man kept going. That's what I'm trying to say. And then you come on down there in Acts 16, uh, when he went into Philippi, and he went out there, and Lydia, you know, and some of them have a little prayer meeting, and he got them saved, and then he got the fortune tellers, uh, uh, got, got her uh, uh, saved, and it made the man mad, had him put in prison. And, uh, and there in prison, he could have stopped right there, but he began to, don't you see Paul, he looked over at Silas and he said, you know, Jesus, never, uh, he said was going to suffer persecution. We never suffered like him, did we? No, and then they began to sing something like amazing grace and began to praise God at midnight. Through all his trials, he still witnessed him. And you know how the Lord sent that earthquake, shook that old, that old jailer got up. Why didn't he go to somebody else in that jail? He saw something in them fellas he didn't see in them other folk. He went to them. And uh, 
and, and he's going to kill himself. And Paul said, sir, do yourself no harm. We're still all here. And he said, what can I do to get some of that? And he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thus, he's a witness in all the way down through his troubles and trials. And he won him to Christ. And the old boy said, I'd like for my wife and kids to hear this. He said, let's go home. Can you imagine about three or four o'clock in the morning, that old tailor knocking on the door and his wife wakes up and comes and says, honey, what are you doing home? And he said, I know, honey, but let me tell you, we've had a lot of folks in jail, but we got two fellas here never had anything like it in my life. They got the sweetest story there ever was. Listen to me. This world is dying and going to hell, uh, and we're doing very little witnessing about it. I've never in all of my life seen people, please don't misunderstand me, trying to raise support. I'm telling you, out on the East Coast, they're raising support everywhere to go out west and start churches. And they tell me, well, the Lord's leading me to plant churches. I said, don't say churches, church. I said, don't plant something and run off and leave it. I said, grow it, stick it in, stick it in there and grow it. And then you can get to run some missionaries out of your church, you see. But uh, the people's running everywhere. But we're not doing much witnessing, my friend. That's what I'm trying to say, witnessing. But Paul kept that continued witness right on. You follow him on down through there. I was reading this on the plane today. In Acts 17, he went to Thessalonica and reasoned in the synagogue. I believe it's three days with him. Some folks got saved at Thessalonica. Some of them got mad. And, uh, and uh, why this old man has turned the world upside down, here he comes. We've heard about him. And he goes on to Berea about 40-some miles away. And they listened better there. They heard the word better. As in Acts 17, Acts 18, he gets into Corinth. I think I'm right. And uh, he gets over there and meets Aquila and the Priscilla, you remember. And uh, then that's when uh, uh, they got all stirred up. But the old chief rule of the synagogue got saved. Uh, and uh, then, you know, it messed up their little religion. And uh, they said, why, the God is dying, and this man's messing up. Do you notice he never said a word about the God is dying? He was telling them about Jesus, and when they got Jesus, it didn't need the God is dying, you see. That's what I'm saying. And you keep on going in Acts 19, and you see that. And, and, then, and then you come on down to the 20th chapter, and he's calling together now. And he says, now, boys, I want you to keep this thing going, witnessing. He said, I'm going up yonder. I'm going up there to witness. Now, I'm saying this right quick. Let me say it right quick. Right quick. Give me a little time here. But let, let me say it right quick. Folks, we need to get to that. Now, listen. I'm an ignorant, but I'm not proud I'm ignorant. I'm not like that old country preacher said, I'm ignorant and want to get ignorant ignorant. No, that's not me. But I was saved in a little church run about 75 in Sunday school. I got under deep conviction. I, I, I'd go to church and make me uneasy. I got saved at 17. I remember read, picking up the paper one day and reading where a boy 17 died and scared me to death. I thought I'd, I'd be in hell. My daddy died when I was 12 years old. My mother kept asking me to go to church. My girlfriend, which is my wife, she said, why don't you go to the big meetings, they called them back then. The big meeting going on where she was at church. Why don't you go bring Jackie? I went that night to show off my sweet sweetheart. You ever heard that old song, Something Got a Hold to Me? And that night that old preacher preached. Yeah. Oh, let me tell you, you don't have to get under conviction like I did, but I got under deep conviction. 
I was afraid to go up. I was afraid it couldn't hold out. And I was afraid to go home. I was afraid to go to hell. I got in awful shape that night. But I gave up and trusted Jesus. Now listen. The burden left me when I left my seat. And in them days, they didn't take the, the Bible and get over here. Man, about half, six, eight, ten men come around and say, this man wants to be saved. And they'd, they'd pray. Once in a while, I'd see somebody get up and shout. And I was waiting for it to hit me. But it didn't hit me that way. I wish they took the Bible. But the burden left me. That's when I made, I said, yes, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I'm going to trust you. And God saved me. And that way, this is what I started to say. My, I had a good pastor. We'd go out once a week and invite people to church. I was never taught to witness. In 1956, I became pastor of Gospel Light. I'd been there for about, I don't know how long, a few months. Dr. Rice and Dr. Jack Hiles used to come to Winston-Salem seven miles from me on a Monday and Tuesday to the Sword Conference. I went over there to hear them on Monday night. And Dr. Howes said, I want you to be here. It's 10 o'clock service in the morning. Now, folks, it's like a light. Come on, this is what he said. He said, I'm going to show you how you can win a person to Christ at home or place of business or wherever. I don't know. I just, I know you accepted Jesus to get saved, but you get them in church. I just, just all I, I never had grasped it. It was like a light come on. He said, bring your pencil and paper. Next morning at 10 o'clock, I will always owe Jack Hiles for that. And that morning, it might do good for you and I pastors to do a little teaching to people sometime. You know, may not know. But anyway, Dr. Hiles set a, a straight chair out and he used that for a door. And, and, uh, and, and he knocked on a stranger's door. Talked about how to get up a conversation. I took 35 points that he gave us that day. It was on a Tuesday. And on Thursday, I got one of my deacons. I don't, I've just been there a little while. I got one of my deacons. I said, I believe I've learned something new. How about going with me tonight? And we knocked on the door. We had a prospect. You wouldn't believe I used to be backward. That was hard. And that man comes to the door. And uh, I didn't tell him I was a preacher. I said, I'm, I'm Bobby Robertson. This is Boot Flynn here. We attend Gospel Light Baptist Church. We'd like to talk with you. Could, he said, come in. He introduced himself. I remember one of Dr. Howes' points was being complimentary. And I looked and I said, you got a nice place here. And he said, thank you. I couldn't find a baby's picture or nothing. And I said, I can remember goods for yesterday. And I said, it's really nice. He said, thank you. I'm trying to think of my next point. You know, I, I got me a testament, and, and he talked about the Roman trail. And I, I, and I put down three, besides 323, I'd, I'd put that, you know, in, right beside it on down the line, you see. None righteous, you know it, Roman 512, so, so I know where to go next time. And Dr. Hiles told us, said, now don't take your Bible, take your testament. Because if that man sees your Bible and testament do the same thing, he said you'll scare him and he'll think you're going to try to cram religion down his throat. Wait till you get up to it. So I had my testament in my pocket. And we kept talking. And I, and I was trying to get at it. And, and, and I remembered, I, I suppose remember his first name is Jimmy. Jimmy Spangler. I'd never seen him before. And I said, Jimmy, 
I said, uh, I guess you're wondering what we're doing here. We're interested in people knowing they're going to heaven. I said, if you died, do you know you'd go to heaven? And he said, no, nah, don't go to church, but I'll try to do the best I can. You know, the word of God will do something for a person. And I can remember I pulled my testimony out. And I said, Jimmy, if I could show you from the Bible how you could know that you're saved, would you let me? And he said, yeah. His wife, now he had done introduced his wife. She's sitting over. And the reason he didn't have any pictures, he didn't have no babies. <laughs> That's what I was looking for. Anyway, his wife is sitting over there, and we're sitting right here. And I said, now look at here. And there's none righteous, Romans 3.10. None. I said, that means I'm not and you're not. And, and I'm not going down it, but I went all down. And I, and I explained to him how sin came into the world through Adam. He didn't know. Folks, we take for, we take, listen, our world's full of religion. Did you know that? More than it was then. And, and anyway, I got down there to all, through all those scriptures. And I got to Romans 10 and four, before we, verse 9. I said, Jimmy, how, how, what do you think about this now? And he said, according to that, I'm lost. It wasn't Bobby Robertson. It was the Word of God got him. And, and, and I said, if you're lost, wouldn't you like to be saved? And he said, yeah. And I said, oh, I was trying to think where to go next. And I, listen, I asked him two more times. I said, you really would? And he said, yeah. yeah. And I finally got to Romans 10, 9 and 10 and 13. And when I did... We started to pray. This old gentleman with me was sitting over here. Jimmy here. I said, let's just slip down on our knees. His wife, his wife got up. She come almost running across and fell on her knees. And she said, mister, don't leave me out. I want to get saved too. That was my, listen, the old Baptist used to talk about the second blessed. Brother, I got it that night. I got in that little old 55 Chevrolet. And I got happy. Man, I was beating the floorboard of that thing. And, and, and TV had just come out. I said, Mr. Flynn, don't matter. TV or nothing. I said, brother, God saves him. He said, that's right. I told him to come to church. He came four or five weeks. And I asked him about getting baptized. I suppose he's done that. I forgot to ask him. We didn't, we didn't have no place to baptize. We, we, you'd go out to a pond somewhere once in a while. And, uh. And he thought he'd already joined the church, and I explained that he did. It went over a month after that. He brings his mother down the aisle one Sunday morning, and he said, she wants to get saved. This is my mother. And that was one of the greatest Christians. Listen, I haven't been the soul when I ought to, but God set a fire in my soul there that done something for me. And I, I don't care what you do. Have all the Bible studies you can. We need to know the Word of God. But preachers, when we get away from this thing of reaching souls, we'll die spiritually. Now, you remember that. There's nothing that will thrill anybody's heart anymore than for an old sinner to come down the aisle and get born again and get saved. That's what I'm saying. I'm just saying that we've got to continue witnessing. And I fail God every way I turn. But I believe that's one way I fail more than anything is witnessing. I sit between two women today and one of them, she stuck her head in something over there. I never, But I got to talk to the other, you know. But I thought when I sat down there in that middle seat 
uh, in Washington. I came through Washington. I thought, I thought, but tree of God's got a reason for me sitting right here. You know, you ever think about that? You, you just never know, you see. And I'm just saying, and let me move on. Let's continue. If you're loose, get, if you're getting behind your witness, then get, get revived tonight. You get back out there. You say, well, I'm a pastor. Well, you ought to be a good soul winner then. God deliver us from these preachers who think that they are to designate a bunch of baloney. If you're too sorry to get out there and work, knock on doors, you ought to put out the ministry. That's what I'm talking about. We need, we all need to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Now let me say, he continued, and, not, and I won't take long on these. He continued witnessing and he believed in continuing in the will of God. You don't hear much about the will of God these days. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, listen to what he said when he wrote to the church in Ephesus. He said, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. My friend, God not only wants me to be a witness, he wants me to be seeking his will. Now, brother, how can I have his will? Well, you remember what he said in Romans chapter 12? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And he says, when we do, it's only a reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world. Listen, if you're getting conformed to this world, you'll never know what the real will of God is. He said, don't be conformed, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what that good and perfect and acceptable will of God is. There's so much that, uh, that we need. Uh, people in our churches don't seem to know about this will of God. We present ourselves a living sacrifice. I never forget, I asked, and I was a young preacher, and it's good to ask anybody advice. Arthur Blackburn was one of the greatest preachers. You knew him. Arthur Blackman, one of the greatest preachers in North Carolina. Dr. Harold Slightler said he was, and whatever Dr. Slightler said was right. He preached for me, Joe. One day I was eating with him, and he had had a stroke. He couldn't talk plain. He's up with an old man. And we was having a meal together over at a restaurant. And I said, Arthur, I said, I said, give me some good advice. And he talked about the will of God. And he said, Brother Bobby, in 1956, I was pastor of the Landis Baptist Church in Landis, North Carolina. And he said, I got to getting so many calls for revivals. And he said, I was preaching meetings all the time. And he said, I thought God. He said, we were running back in those days, averaging about 600. And he said, I thought God wanted me to be an evangelist. And I, he didn't want me to be an evangelist. He just wanted me to do evangelist work, but he wanted me to pastor that's a good one for you. <laughs> he, he stays on the road all the time. But that's what I thought. No, but, but I thought, I've thought about that. Really, no, I'm just kidding you. I can't tell you the will of God, but I am to seek God's will all the time for my life. I'm to seek God's will all the time. I'm saying, I, I don't know, uh, I don't know, Joe, whether you ever knew Gene Goodman or not. Gene Goodman was another old-fashioned preacher. I asked him one day. I said, Gene, there with the Lord now. Both of them preached for me different times. And I said, Gene, I said, I said, give me some good advice. And you know, they got on the will of God. He said, Brother Bobby, I, I can remember. He said, I started the Landis Baptist Church in Kannapolis, North Carolina. And he said, I remember 12, 14 years. He told me how long he was there. And he said some trouble, some trouble was boiling up. 
And the church called and said, would you be interested in being our pastor? And he said, I was trying to miss that trouble, and I missed the will of God, and I was supposed to stay there. Now, boy, I tell you, when I, I mean, those are great men of God. And I'm just saying, listen, folk, we ought to seek God's will for everything. For everything. Everything. That's what I'm trying to say. And we won't until we learn to die to self. We'll have to do that. Dr. Robertson, years ago, uh, I can remember he, he brought out this point. I think it was in the evangelist paper. Uh, where a man back years ago that had that, that made their living dying clothes, of course, clean clothes. Now he don't do much dying, but DUI dying clothes. And this man had a, had a shop where he dyed clothes. And this was on the window. Now listen, it, it's good good spiritual application. And this is what he said. I die to live. Now what he was meaning, they died close to live. Now listen, I think I can say it if I can't, I'll just stop. But listen, I die to live. I live to die. He liked his job. I, I die to live. I live to die. The more I die, the more I live. And the more I live, the more I die. Do you get the thought on that? Yes, sir. Listen, somebody's going to hurt our feelings. And if we're not careful, we're going to get up against a hard wall. And, and, and if we're not careful, we'll miss God's will in our life. You know, I've told God, uh, ask, I've, I've, I've asked God what to do about a lot of things. Then turn around and tell him what, what it is. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I'm just saying, folks, God's got a will for you and a will for me. And, I, and I, I could say a lot about it, but, but we ought to constantly, we ought to constantly do that. And talking about dying to self, if anybody ever died daily, let's roll off to you. I've told this in many churches, but I'm going to tell you. We had him in a lot of times and meetings. He was such a blessing. And, and, and he and I were riding along in my car one day. I think you know who I'm talking about from Corpus Christi, Texas, Lester Roloff. And I'm too bits to cut up, and I said something crazy to him. <laughs> You've said ever said anything, and, and you hey, you felt like I shouldn't have said that? Well, I did. I don't know what, but I, and I looked over at him, and I said, now get this. I said, Brother Roloff, I'm sorry I said what I did to you. I wouldn't hurt you for anything in the world. And he looked at me as serious, and this is what he said. He said, Brother Bobby, if you hurt me, it's not your fault. It's my fault because I'm supposed to be dead and you can't hurt something dead. And Brother Trevor, every time I get stirred up, God will bring that to my mind. If you're dead, you wouldn't do that. You, you know, somebody talked about you. Well, if you're dead, it wouldn't hurt you. I'm just saying, and if you ever heard, and I'm not preaching Dr. Rob, but a good if I could, but he preached for me, and Brother Clarence worked with him for you. If you ever heard Lee Robertson preach, you heard him preach on dying to self. I never forget, let me tell you this right quick. I, I, I remember him, I, I, I tell, maybe told it in our church, he preached there several times. But he's, you know, in the old auditorium, most, most of you have never been there, at Highland Park, uh, it was a, it was a, balcony all the way around like this and and that thing was always full dr robinson said one sunday he after he got through baptizing and everything he, he'd go out the back and go down a little alley to his car 
And he said there was a lady standing out there on the saddle, one of his members. And he said, uh, how are you? She said, not good. He said, she said, don't you know about it? And uh, he, he said, no. What is it? Dr. Robertson, for 22 years, you know, I've always sat right up there, you know, to live in the balcony. You remember? And he said, yeah, yes, yeah, I sure do. And she said, I went up there this morning. And she said, there's all filled. And said, I told this man, I always sat there. And he said, you won't sit here today. <laughs> oh, well, you've heard him tell that. I'm not clear. He said, and he said, that woman got mad and had been waiting out there for the pastor after service to tell him. Dr. Robertson, he is such a sweet and kind man. He said, well, ma'am, now, now that's a, have you ever heard me talk about dying, dying to self, dying to self? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, well now, how long has it been since you've died? And he said, I went on home, and it bothered me on Sunday afternoon. And he said, Sunday night, when the choir was singing, I was sitting on a platform, and no any preacher left to see people leave his church. And said, I was sitting there, and, and he said, I, while the choir was singing, she wasn't there. And he said, I just watched all the way around. I didn't see her. He said, I brought my eyes down to the bottom floor, and I, and I didn't see her. She had to come over to my right. Said she seen me looking. Said she. He said she died. It didn't hurt her. Let me tell you, folks. We all, whether we're preachers or not, we need to learn to do that. Somebody talked about me. Well, God bless your heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If any man lives godly in Christ Jesus, he's going to suffer persecution. And you'll find that some of your best members will hurt you. I've had some to turn, and I don't want to talk a whole lot tonight. It may, they, I don't want to hurt their feelings, but I've had them leave me 40, 45, 50 years at one time, and just boom, like that. I had one here about a year ago, and I'm, I'm just 82 now. I'm not old. But he just reminded me I was 81, and I ought to be doing something. And then he said, I've been just thinking about writing the deacon board. I said, help yourself. And I didn't have any words with him, but he's gone. He's gone. Listen, I don't care. Listen, if you are a preacher, a pastor, and God led you uh, to, to quit pastoring, that's all right. But I got to mind God the best I can. I don't know how long I'll pastor a church. I don't know. I'm thinking if God tears his coming and gives me health, I may pastor till my hundred and then go and evangelize the rest of my life. I don't know. I, I mean, I just don't know. I'm not trying to set anything. I want to please my Lord if I can. I want to stay in his will if, if I can. And let me say this. Oh, I got to hurry. Let me say this right quick. Back yonder when I came to gospel light, I'm not the first pastor. My home church is three miles away. I remember the man that started. I didn't know him then, but I met him later. Preached a couple times. And uh, he went into evangelism, moved from that area. I'd heard he was. And, and, and I was working about 10 hours a day, had a good job. And one night I was eating. It wasn't dinner, it was supper out our way. And I was eating supper about 7, 38 o'clock. It's in the summertime. And I heard a horn blow. And I got up and my wife and went and opened, the, I mean, the door, the front door was open, but just opened the screen. And some fellow said, how about coming out here with me? 
Well, I walk out in my front yard, and there's four old gentlemen in an old 52 Chevrolet sitting there. And they said to you, you don't know us, do you? And I said, I don't believe. We're from that gospel Light Baptist church. And you heard about Brother Long. He's gone into evangelism. We loved him so much. And, and we've been praying, and we've been listening to preachers, and we believe God's leading for you to be our preacher. That's exactly the words they said. They didn't say a word about a resume or nothing. They didn't know where I could read and write. They're just seeking the will of God. That's what I'm trying to say. And I had a time, I was pastoring a little church about 10, 15 miles from there and enjoying it. And I had a time. Anyway, God led. But I thought about that some years later. They said, we're seeking the will of God. My friend, the will of God's not easy every time. Joseph was in the will of God. But God was with him. And to have the blessings and the peace in your heart with the Lord there is worth more than all the world, my friend. That's what I'm saying. He continued, and then let me say thirdly, he continued in the word of the Lord. Boy, I could pull up and park there a while, but let me hurry. Continue in the word of the Lord, my friend. You know what he said to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman needeth not to be ashamed, right dividing the word of truth. He continued in the word of God. What did he say in 2 Timothy 4? He said, Timothy, you preach the word in season, out of season. He said, I mean, when this here contemporary crowd comes and it looks like it's growing so good and it's so excited and all that, don't you get in the flesh because they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. You stick to the Word and keep preaching the Word. Brother, we need to continue in the Word. You remember that in 2 Timothy chapter 3, perilous times shall come, and he told all them things happen. But he comes down there at the latter part, I believe it's verse 14. He said to now, Timothy, you continue in the things which you've learned. You know, your grandmother Lois and brother Eunice taught you, you stay in that old book. Oh, bless God for this Bible right here. It's a word, my friend. Heaven and earth going to pass away. But he'll never say, you don't have to try to prove where the King James is right. Just preach it. I've been trying to preach it for 63 years and it works and something worked. Don't fool with us now. Some of you fellows may say, well, this and this explains that. One of my preacher friends told me three or four weeks ago, took this new church. He said a lady came and said, talked to him one Sunday and, and, and come up to him after service. And she said, she said, I'm, I'm a Muslim. I said, you're what? I said, I'm a Muslim. She said, I, I, I went to the Baptist church, but she said, there's so many of their books and, and, and said, we just got one book. You see what I'm trying to say? I don't allow anybody preaching in my pulpit unless they use the King James Word of the Bible. For one reason, I don't want the people, I don't want the devil to put into people's mind what is right. Our school, nobody comes in there unless they preach the King James. That's it. And when a school a college, I hate to say it, but I've had the whole four of them and say, you can't, you can't come to our high school no more. I mean, I had one year, two years ago, it's been there so many times, and they said, couldn't we send a group to your high school? And I said, not with your contemporary music. 
I didn't wear it. I said, I'm not going to name your college up in, but, but I said, I don't want, I, I have a hard enough time with them youngers. And I don't need to, I don't need to let somebody come in that's going to think, they can think I'm a hypocrite, my friend. I'm just saying, you stick with this old book right here. You say, well, I can't reach them like that. Well, bless God. God do the ad. Every church is not going to be a large church. You remember that. Every church is not. And God's going to reward for faithfulness. That's what I'm talking about. So you continue in the Word of God. Let me say quickly, continue in the work of God. <laughs> Boy, we're living in a day people don't like to work. Work. Well, you go back here in the book of Genesis. When Adam and Eve, what did God say? He said, get out there and make your living by the sweat of your brow. That's what he said. That's right. I mean, work. Just work. He said, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. As much as you know, your labor is not in vain. I don't mean that you can't pastor a church and work a job. No. We're down in it. But you go back up here in the hills of North Carolina. I admire them old boys. Get out there and plow them old mules and get up there and preach on Sunday and visit when they can. Sure. Uh, you don't run, have to run around and get up enough support to live on before you sneeze. Bless God. Get on out there and work. And God will bless you, my friend. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, Carl Lackey. You folks don't know him. White Plains Baptist Church near Mount Airy. He's with the Lord now. Oh, Carl said, Brother Bobby, I come, he's a city boy, but you'd never believe one of the hardest preachers you ever heard in your life. He'd be, you know that. Uh, uh, he's skinny. Yeah. And old Carl, old Carl, he, he said, Brother Bobby, I went up there and he said, had 24 the first Sunday. He's about 50, 60 miles. Had 24 the first Sunday. He said, cold, dreary day. He said, man, that thing was so dead and I wanted to go back to the city. But God helped me to stay. And he says, an old hard shell Baptist background, nothing happened. And he said, me and Jewel, as his wife, uh, he didn't have any children. He was there for about 45 years or longer. And he said, we just got out there and lived with them people. We went to the field with them. We got a hoe and worked with them. <laughs> and he said, when they had stopped to eat, I'd go, I'd go up to the house and eat beans with them. He said, the first thing you know, God began to break that old hard heart. And he began to win souls. And he, he you talk, you talk, that church run around a thousand back up there in the country. Uh, I mean, I mean, some of the, he had, he had one time, he had, he had, he called it the, the bus driver's quartet. I had him to sing. One played a guitar and one a banjo and I don't know, a fiddle, I believe. I think he called him something else now, but a fiddle and all that. And, uh, and, uh. Called a bus, and them old fellas had had some of them had holes where they uh, was on drugs and got saved. Old car went up there in them hills and hollers in the mountains and got them saved. I don't know where they could sing or not, but I always liked to hear them because it was from their hearts. But God used him. He got out there and worked and worked and worked. My old daddy's in heaven. Been there seventy years. My daddy worked five and a half days a week on the job. Study on Saturday afternoon. I'd hear him in the back room. I guess he practiced. I'd hear him in the back room. Say, now let me tell you, brother. And on Saturday afternoon, worked fine. His church run 240, 50 every Sunday. And he'd do his visiting on Sunday afternoon. He's been dead with the Lord 70 years now. I'm just saying, don't get so tied up that you're too sorry to get out there and do something. You take that woman, brought that alabaster box of woman. Well, they said, you could have done so and so. Jesus said, you leave her alone. She's done a good work. 
I got to tell you this. Clarence wants me to tell you. I've told this to his church so many times. Let me tell you right quick. I'll be through in just a few minutes. Just 9.15. I preached up in the mountains of Virginia. This little church. Small church. The preacher's in heaven now. I guess I was there for 15 years and every, every year. And uh, 60, 80 miles or so from my house. And... I mean, I mean, it's over in the country, and there's a little dirt road here, and then there's a little dirt road went down there, and a little white frame church sitting here, and you parked on this side. It had a front door, but they always come in the side door, and every time I was there, there was an elderly couple in an old pickup truck, and she'd bring a pitcher of water ever since, and she'd come in, in right for service, and she'd put it down, put it in the pulpit. And I wasn't used to drinking water, and I'd, I'd preached half a dozen meetings, I guess. And, and she'd take it and go outside. We'd get out about nine, as there was time in the summertime, about nine o'clock, and get just dust dark, and she'd pour that water out and get in that old truck and go on. That happened for weeks and weeks. And one day I said to Brother Callaway, the pastor, Brother Callaway, I appreciate that lady bringing that water. I said, I just forget it when I'm preaching. And, and, and if you want to tell her, we appreciate it, but, but just she don't have to. He said, Brother Bobby, I don't want to tell her. He said, one time I preached, if you give a cup of cold water, the Lord will reward you. And that little lady came to me and she said, Preacher, you know I can't read and I can't write. Could I bring water to the preachers? Now listen. Can I bring water? And he said, she's been doing that for years. I said, don't you ever let her know that I said that. Don't never. And from now on, I'll remember, I'll drink water. And I did. I drink water. Now, wait a minute. I told that one night, our church was on a radio Sunday night live, and I was telling our church about it. And one of my preacher friends, their service was earlier than ours, from up in that area of the mountains. And he said, Brother Bobby, last Sunday night I was going home and I heard you on the radio and telling the church that. And he said, by the way, he said, last week, he said that they, they, they got to a couple over there in Martinsville, Virginia, lived back in the sticks from there, but said they put their picture in the paper and I had to send it to you. They just celebrated their 66th wedding anniversary. And said, by the way, she's still... Carrying water. And after, after that preacher died, I was back there in a meeting with some, whoever the pastor was. And a lady came up to me and she said, that woman carrying water, that's my mother. She's in her 90s now. She has Alzheimer's. Daddy is too, but daddy's mind's pretty clear. I wish you'd come to see him. I said, where do they live? And I followed her home that night. And there's that little humble home. That little 90 some year old woman laying over she didn't know me. Little twin beds and her husband he was so glad to see me. A little while after this she went to heaven. She done what she could. I remember hearing Dr. Charlie Stevens started Piedmont Bible College years ago. He's talking about he was preaching on the first shall be last. And I thought Brother Trebert you know I'm pretty well known. You're pretty well known. Don't you believe? See, the Lord, He rewards His His work. He looks at the heart. 
And you don't you know the talents, five talents, two talents, and so on. She just had one. But what I'm trying to say, I wouldn't be surprised if some of you or I at the judgment seat with the Lord says, Stand back. And here she goes. Now let me tell you something. You stay faithful in the work of God. You say, it don't matter. You, you may be watching the babies all the time. Nobody ever recognizes it. You ever say, I don't matter. There's one in heaven knows about it. And he said, every time you give a little cup. I'm saying, just continue in the work of the Lord. And then, and then let me say, let's continue worshiping him. Just continue worshiping him. You know, don't let me know what. You, you don't sit and text somebody across here and worship God. No, I got that stuff going on in my church. You know, I'm told what it text, you know, talk. No, 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 no. You worship God in spirit and in truth. You know what Jesus said to the woman to wail? She said, well, we worship over there. And he said, no, and you worship it. Oh, no, it's not Jerusalem or, or, or over there in the mountain. But they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. My friend, worship God. Adore him. I adore him. I got to tell you this right quick. <laughs> I heard Jack Hiles at Highland Park in a conference. I was sitting out in the congregation. Charles Weigel wrote the song, No One Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus. He lived to be way on up in his 90s. He didn't have any living relatives, and Dr. Robertson took him in there at Highland Park, and he lived there. I heard him preach a time or two. Clarence probably heard him a whole lot more than me. But I heard him sing that song, No One Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus. Anyway, Dr. Howells told this when he was preaching in Highland Park when Lee Robertson was living. He said, I was, I, I was sitting out in the congregation. He said, I was here a few years ago. And he said, when Charles Weigel was living, and said, I told Dr. Robertson, I wish I missed him. I'd love to see him. He said, he's not able really to be out. But I can tell you where his room is. And he said, I went to his room after service. And he said, Dr. Hiles told us that night, he said, I stood out there for, it seemed like 10 minutes, and I could hear him talking. And I hated to interrupt his, his company. And he said, fine. Brother Hiles said, fine, I just want to speak to him so bad. And so I knocked, and he opened the door. He said, Brother Hiles, come in. And he said, uh, oh, I don't want to interrupt you and your company. And he said, oh, I don't have any company. Come on in. He said, I've been out here for about 10 minutes, and I heard you talking. And he said, well, you see, I'm going to live with Jesus before long. And just talking to him, we just having a sweet time. <laughs> Dr. Isles said he was standing there and he didn't have his shoes on. And he said, well, what are you doing with your shoes off? He said, Brother Isles, don't think I'm crazy, but it got so rich. I've been up on the bed jumping up and down having a good time. Boy, don't many people know how to get in the presence of God like that. I'm talking about worshiping the Lord. Oh, man, where I, where I got saved at, I went to old brother Grover McGee. One evening I went to see him on a Sunday afternoon, and no television then, thank God, no television. And, and, and he sat beside a little old radio. I peeped in there. I heard somebody say, hey, man, bless God. That's wonderful. I thought, what in the world is this? And I went around the corner of the house. He didn't know I was anywhere around. That old gentleman, he about 70 years old. And I looked in the window and watched him. And he had that little old radio down. And some fellow was a preaching. And he was happy. And he said, bless God. That's good. My friend, that's what I'm talking about. 
Get to worshiping God. My old grandmother Stanley, she lived to be 96 years old. And man, she talked to me. She was an old Methodist. And they believed second blessing. And she said, my grandma, and she said, don't you say something about it. I know you wouldn't call it the second blessing. But son, I believe you had it. And some of the rest of the family, I can't talk to them like you. But I want to tell you how good God is here. And she got to tell me one night uh, in that old big two-story house. She lived by herself. And she said, I got to reading the Bible and reading Job. And I got so happy, son. I know you would understand. But he said, "Come, I come to myself. I was upstairs just praising God. And having a hallelujah time. Let me tell you, bless God. This year, hooping and hollering, where it's not God's not, it's not worth a dime. But brother, we need to get back some old time religion. And I'm talking about worshiping God. I'm not talking about putting on a show. But I'm talking about getting along with God and let Him meet with us better. And it's nothing like getting in fellowship. I remember one day, I was going down the road over there on Highway 158. I got to talking to Him. And this, He and I were in the car. And I got to thinking, I said, Lord, you said, Good, you get here, you get, and it got so rich, I got to crying and couldn't, I, I couldn't see, and I just got out and walked up and down the side of the road and had me a hallelujah time. I like those things, my friend. I like it, and you can't get away if you ever get a taste of worshiping God, an old time religion, nothing else satisfies but that. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, preachthebible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knvbc.com for Christian music you can trust.